brought back a lot of memories of good times. Steve played that song all the time. There's a place where it just like everybody else disappeared but the bass player and uh, it was great so I like that so thank you for that song selection hallelujah he is a faithful God all right I need to pray for interpretation I got all of these sticky notes but there's something I talked about last week I got to touch on it and I I want to develop that uh, soon because it's really big in my heart. And um, I will just have Bruce put 2 Timothy 2 on the board. It's in the Amplified, and I'll read it out of a new translation. I, I think this is just great. There's so much in this one verse, and I think last week we basically didn't move off of this verse. We stayed right here. It's so rich and so good. I like this. Look how it starts out that the firm foundation laid by God stands sure and unshaken. Amen. When we give our heart to Jesus, when we ask him to come into our hearts and guide us and direct us, the foundation is laid. And it says that it's unshakable. It is secure it stands sure, it stands unshaken. Bearing this seal and inscription, the Lord knows those who are His. Glory to Jesus. I like this because our life, the, our life reflects what we do after the foundation is laid. When we buy a house or we look at property or we even see skyscrapers going up downtown, the very most important thing is the foundation. Because anything thereafter is, you know, irrelevant, really, because the foundation is the most critical part to any kind of a structure. And it says that the foundation laid in our hearts, in our spirits, by Jesus Christ stands sure, it stands unshaken. That gives me great hope. My foundation isn't going to crumble. I don't know what's going to happen thereafter, what I build upon, is, uh, you know, he has laid the foundation, but what happens next is entirely up to us. Do you agree? He will help us. He wants us to achieve great things in this life. It even says that uh, our works, our deeds, our lives, everything that we do, the reflection thereof is going to be put to the fire. And some people, the only thing that they're going to have is the foundation. But I believe that we can do better than that. Agreed? Let everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord give up all iniquity and stand aloof from it. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also utensils of wood and earthenware, some for honorable and some for noble use, and some for menial and one more, Bruce, some for menial and ignoble use. So whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean 
who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences. And the youth said, Amen. Will them themselves be a vessel set apart and useful and fit for the master's use? Consecrated, profitable for the master, fit and ready for any good work. Okay, did you get that? Let me read that out of a new translation and then we'll move on. We got some good things today. It's going to be just kind of a, a shotgun blast. We'll get a little bit of everything. But it says, God's solid foundation stands, however, with this double inscription, the Lord knows those who belong to him, and let every true Christian have no dealing with evil. In a big household, there are naturally not only gold and silver vessels, but wooden and earthen ones as well. Some are used for the highest purposes and some for the lowest. If a man keeps himself clean from the contamination of evil, he will be a vessel used for honorable purposes, clean and serviceable for the use of the master of the household, ready, in fact, for any good purpose. I said last week that I think it's widely interpreted if you are very good and you're a nice girl or boy, then you will be considered honorable You'll be set aside for these good things. If you're not so good, then you're going to be a lesser thing and so on. You may just be a wooden spoon in the master's house. You may just be a clay pot. And this other guy, he's going to be something great and magnificent. But that's not really what it's saying at all. The key is not she is destined to be... Um, a nobody or just a menial thing. And this guy over here, he's going to be a gold statue. He's, he's the man. He's, it's not like that. Because the context of the scripture is speaking of use. I, I think that was great. Usable by the master. A wooden spoon, a clay pot, or a box is all... Very important things to have in the house. Agreed? But they are seldom used. They're not used like other things. And that's God's desire is to shape us and equip us and use us. But we have to put ourselves in a position to be used. Many people want to be used or God wants to use them, but they did not position themselves in a place to be used. I believe this is very key because you do not have to say, well, you know, God just made me a, a, a little thing here. He made me a paper plate. He, he didn't make me to be much of anything, but that's a lie. It's useful. It's important to have these things in the house, but he desires us to be used. This is so wonderful, I just can't get past this. He desires to use us in every good work, but it said we have to be fit for the master's use. We have to be made available to be used. It's amazing to me that some guy comes on the scene just 
lighting the whole landscape on fire with the word of God that hasn't been born again very long. He's been filled with the spirit of God and he has taken the raw word of God and just put it to use. And other people will get jealous. Why him? Why not me? Well, I think this young man or young woman has made himself available to be used. This is wonderful. I, I really admired Scott, and I could give everybody a pat on the back, but he likes to talk to the fellows at work. Sometimes I'm sure he gets rejected. Other times he helps people get over a marital issue, a, a, a health issue, so on and so forth. Or he just gives them words of comfort. But he has given himself or made himself available to do that. Glory to Jesus. I think that he can do great things through us by putting ourselves in a position to be made available. To say yes to that. Hallelujah. So last week I had something that blessed me. I, I, I got off in an unknown tongue. And I didn't think anybody would understand me, but it, it, it tickled me that Naomi and Shonda spoke up. We was talking guy stuff. We was talking man stuff. I mentioned at one time I bought a Sawzall. I said, I know none of you know what that is. She said, I do. I do. And I like that. I like, you know, when Darlene gets the tools out, I get busy. When she says, I'm tired of waiting on you, I want that fence built, I want something done, I'm going to do it myself. That really puts me into motion because I don't want her touching that. <laughs> don't touch them tools, I'll, I'll get around to do it. But I like that because they was familiar with it. But when I bought that thing, I remember it very well. I bought it in Tulsa many years ago when that was probably a great sacrifice to buy a Sawzall. Cost 120 bucks or something. It was a ridiculous amount of money, but I knew I could use that. But my lovely wife had asked me about it a couple times, and I said, Oh, you know, that's something that I seldom ever use. But I like, I got to have it. It's useful. It's useful. I think she thought if I wasn't using it three or four times a week, it was going to be waste. And I don't use it very often. Three or four times a year tops. But this thing was a useful tool in the master's house. It, it just wasn't used very often. Hardly ever. But God desires us to not be in the hardly ever used stack. We could do so many great things if we make ourselves available. Me too. Me too. So, a couple of years ago, Scott and I made a speed run to Texas. And usually when I do things like this, it's buying something for the church. And whether I'm going to, I've been all over the place, Colorado and Iowa and different places, to get stuff. But when I get there, I want to hurry up and get home just as quick as I can. I don't want to see the sights. I don't want to go to dinner. I don't want to do anything. But the lady that constructed the puppet theater, she showed us some Texas hospitality. We don't always see this. 
In Texas, if you are just passing through and they'll say, don't even bother with the motel, we'll put you up. Well, this lady, she had to fix us baskets of food, drinks, and all of this stuff. I could have probably lived on it two weeks, but that's the way she was. She had to take care of us. But she got on to this, uh, she started to talk and so on and so forth. And I almost added this last week, but I did not. She said, before you go, I got to show you some stuff. She took me out to the garage. She said, check this out. There's a DeWalt tool here, you know. Look in this drawer here, a whole set of sockets and stuff. This was the woman speaking now. And she showed me all this stuff, and I was amazed. Yeah, to get them intricate cuts on that thing, I had to buy a zip saw, and I had to get all this stuff. And this just went on and on, and I didn't want to be rude. I wanted to get on the road. But I listened to what she said, and she said, I've got the most wonderful husband in the world. There is none better than he. He is the ultimate. I said, oh, yeah? She said, he buys me tools. <laughs> All of the major holidays, Valentine's Day and so on and so forth, he buys me tools. He's the greatest husband ever. So I got a kick out of that. That, that was wonderful. So I guess the ladies like tools too. By Debbie, a socket said for <laughs> get her to fix some things. Hallelujah. So, some of these days I'm going to get up to the 21st century, but until that time I'll have to just make do. I want to go back to something I talked about a couple weeks ago that I think is very key. That there are many Christians, many people confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior, that still is in the mess or in the stranglehold of sin despite the victory given to them by Jesus through the new birth. Many people. And I thought of something because in the times we live in, we're going into this election cycle, and it's all you hear when you turn on the television is about the Democrats and so on and so forth. But I, I, the Lord had placed this upon my heart. We hear about the group called the liberals. Amen. This is what the Democrats line up with. So I asked myself, what is a liberal? And I had to look it up. And I found this one definition in the dictionary. And a liberal is, it says, someone willing to respect or accept behavior or opinions different from one's own or they're open to new ideas this is a this is the definition of a liberal they're open to new and different ideas or we can drop down and it says regarding many traditional beliefs as dispensable invalidated by modern thought or liable to change. I think this is good. It says that many traditional beliefs 
or disposable or dispensable. Invalidated by modern thought or liable to change. Did you catch that? So there's many that will take this holy manuscript and invalidate it because of modern thought or the new way of thinking. There's many reasons why somebody can get off in a mess today. They can truly love Jesus the best they can, but still not get past the bondage and all of these things that Jesus has already paid for. Jesus paid the ultimate price to redeem us from the power of sin. It's done with. It's a forever settled subject. But yet, so many people are enslaved in these things, and I think that we need to talk about that once in a while, because there's a reason for everything. Do you agree? We could go to alcoholic anonymous. We can go to the drug rehab. We can go to the family dinner. We can do all of these things. And if you say anything about Jesus or your faith, they may say, well, why would I want to do that? You've got more problems than I do. We should be living on a higher plane. Amen? Perhaps there's something that is wrong with the very core of our belief system. We have to not variate from the Word of God and take up the new opinion. The new opinion may be do whatever you want. And I don't think, I'm not that liberal. Can I say that? I'm not as liberal as some because I think that God wants to use us not to let us live some slipshod life just doing whatever we want, knowing that it's going to come out with blessings and, and lovely things. I think, that, I think that we're not that stupid, are we? I hope not. Amen. So, we go to Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Bruce. I think this is one of the foundational truths I said a couple weeks ago that we never talk about. It could be the very crux of everything. Knowing this, knowing what? Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Knowing this. Perhaps we don't know this. Paul had struggles. He had all kinds of things coming against him. But he decided that once he got this locked in, knowing this, that he was no longer slave of sin because the old man has been put away. The old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. How do we no longer become slaves of sin? We have to know that the old man or the old nature was crucified with him. And we can't get, just give lip service to that. This is something that we have to know. When you became born again, a new nature come in to live within you. 
new desires. Amen. I, I hope so. It says that the old man or the old sin nature is a thing of the past. This brings freshness and newness of life. It's just wonderful. Hallelujah. It makes you not want to even experiment with things that perhaps you once did. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The way Christ looks at it, he has died, and so have we as well. But yet we still pick the fruit of sin because we have not laid the axe to the root and reckoned ourselves dead to sin. Let's look at it. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ is being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died unto sin one time. How many times? He, he's not going to do this again. He died unto sin one time, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God likewise. It's saying that Jesus did this. He destroyed sin one time. He's not ever going to do it again. Likewise, reckon you also yourself to be dead. Indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So he is saying that Jesus had did what he did one time. Likewise, reckon yourself to be Dead to sin. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We have a mess in the church. I, I build the church up. I'm not talking about this body of Christ. I'm talking about church universal. Can we pretend that everything's just okay? There's a lot of people in bondage to their former, uh, the old man. It says that to put on the new man, to put off the old man. And I said that the Greek of that is to not put off the old man, but quit acting like the old man. It was a wonderful thing. I don't know how many weeks ago I brought it up, but I just started to look through the, the word, how many times in the New Testament it had been spoken to put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, to put on, to put on, to put on, and also to put off or to quit acting like. As a born-again believer, we have a new nature residing within us. Amen. Knowing this, that the old man is dead, should help anybody with reoccurring, going back to indulging in the old life. There is something totally new and beautiful within us. Romans 6, we said, and once again, know ye not that many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. See, I, I like to look at that. My Bible's all carved up with past tense things. It, it, it's not something that we're trying to achieve. It's something that's already been done. Amen.
we are not going to someday sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. It says that we are sitting there right now. But we have to renew our minds to a lot of truths in the Word of God. So all of these past tense things is what we already have. But if we do not know we have them, if we don't understand what we're talking about, then we might have difficulty. But we have a new spirit within us. My, my, my. For he that is dead is freed from sin. My goodness. I'm thankful for that. I do not have to act like the old man. There's times when I know that I get angry or get upset and I may do or say or whatever, but I do not dwell there. I have a new nature within me. And there are reasons why we do what we do. So let me give you just a few things today that I think is very key. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 2 and 3. Do I got that one, Bruce? It says, in which you once walked, or in times past ye walked, according to the course of this world. Notice this, you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit to now the works and the sons of disobedience, among whom also you all once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were, past tense, by nature's children of wrath, just as the others. Notice all of these past tense examples. It's not saying that you are this. It says you were once that. You've been totally transformed. You've been totally recreated in the very image and likeness of God. Yes, said it a couple of weeks ago, Adam was just like God. He was God's crowning creation. But through disobedience and rebellion, God came one day and said, Adam, where are you at? God knew exactly where he was at. I said that I believe that God said, look to where you've fallen from. You've fallen from this place of splendor and majesty and power and victory, now you've got to manage on your five physical senses. From now on, the curse is upon you by the sweat of your brow and through thorns and thistles, you're going to have to make a living. He spent the next 900 years separated from the Spirit of God, but it's no longer like that, ladies and gentlemen. I could never imagine what it would be like to live as Adam lived and to be cut off. But it's beautiful to know that we have the same spirit dwelling within us. The prophets of old spoke of, I'm going to put a new spirit within you. I'm going to take out the old stony heart and give you a heart that is sensitive to the things of God. 
if we're born again and we're not sensitive to the things of God, then we better back up and find out why, why that is. All through the Word of God, it talks about being spirit-led or flesh-led. It tells us to put off concerning the former conversation or the old man which is corrupt according to deceit and by lust. Hallelujah. The, the Lord spoke in Jeremiah. He spoke in Ezekiel. He spoke many different places about the new man, the new spirit, the same spirit that Adam knew of is going to reside in us. It says, but to show how to reckon yourself indeed to sin and alive unto God. Romans 6 and 11. To reckon the old man dead, we must fully understand who he is. It goes on to say in these notes that we are a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. And we have the unique ability that... the Satan, the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, angels, demons, so on and so forth, they are all spirit beings. But we have a third part. We have a body. And what we do to control our body oftentimes is just behavior modification. We're not pulling from the new spirit, the new man that is alive in you. Many people in church, they, they know how to act. They know how to say glory to God. They know how to do all of these things. But is it just behavior modification? Or is it truly drawing from the well of life out of the new spirit man that dwells within us? My goodness. We doing okay? To me, this stuff is amazingly good news because I can just flush the whole concept of if I'm good, I'm going to get this. If I'm bad, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get something negative. But Jesus is so awesome that he's given us all of these things. He's did what he's did one time. Likewise, reckon yourself the same way. To see yourself the same way. I know that's a stretch for some to see themselves just like Jesus, but he wants us to see ourselves just like Jesus is. Luke 21 and 19 says, In patience possess ye your soul. So if you can possess and control your soul, it's obvious that you are greater than your soul. Does everybody agree that the spirit is greater than your emotions or your intellect? Absolutely. Absolutely. Have, absolutely. John the Baptist came on the scene and it said that he laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not fruit is hewn down and cast into the flyer. It says that if you chop the root, you will not have to keep picking sinful fruit. Do you believe that? My lovely wife, she always would say to someone, where is the root? 
what is really behind this? What is really causing you a conflict? It's said that if you chop, the, use the ax to chop the root, then you're not going to be producing negative fruit. Hallelujah. Galatians 2.20 and Romans 6.6, 6, I have been crucified with Christ. It said, Ephesians, that you were by nature children of God. This is all a past tense reality of who the old man was, and we would do well to embrace the new man. Colossians 3 and 3 says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you died, past tense. All of these things is love letters to the church that's telling us what we already have in Christ Jesus, knowing this. And unfortunately, not very many people in the church know this. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal these, these things to you. I, I would like to just shout this from the rooftop, knowing this, that when you accept Jesus Christ, everything becomes new. Your flesh does not become new. Your emotions and perhaps your thoughts may not be new right away, but your spirit is recreated in the very image of Christ Jesus. Fulfillment of prophecy for long ago that I will place a new heart in you, a heart that is susceptible to the things of the God, a heart that loves God. And Paul found this out. And Paul succeeded in doing it, and so can you. And so can you. Can I tell you something? You do not have a sin nature living in you anymore. You do not have a sin nature living in you anymore. So that poses a lot of questions. It poses a lot of things that people will say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's go back up that the old man is the nature or the old nature of your spirit. So this leaves three possibilities where sinful thoughts that emerge from you come from. Where does these things, what, what, where does these things coming from that causing us to keep teeter-tottering back and forth. Number one, the sinful thoughts emerge from your mind. Does anybody's mind play tricks with them? All of the time. Your mind will make suggestions to you that's totally opposite of what the Word of God says. Your mind likes to tell you how poor you are, or how needy you are, or how sick you are. These are thoughts contrary to what the Word of God says. He wants you to focus on these things. So your mind is number one, and two is your flesh. Two is your flesh. All through the New Testament, it, did, it makes a comparison. Are we living out of our spirit, or are we living out of what flesh wants? I've said it many times, if I ask my flesh what he would have me to do today, I would just shut the alarm off and go back to bed. I, I would do all of these things. I'd go down to the fair and have a funnel cake. 
Amen. All of these things I would place before the Word of God and before fellowshipping one with the other. So there's many things that come contrary and come against who we are in Christ Jesus. Or the third is a suggestion of a demon. Of a demon. If someone told you that the, the man of the house wasn't there, go ahead and steal his lawnmower, whose thought do you think that would be? That would be a suggestion from the evil one trying to prompt you to do all of these things. Do you agree? But these are things that all have to do with the old man. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. The word reckon is very interesting. It's a Greek word that I'm not going to dare try to pronounce, but it is from or where we get the word logic. It is a logic to see and to follow in order to reckon the old man dead. It is a logic. Hallelujah. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. When the Holy Spirit came into you, he brought a new life. At that moment, the old man was executed and new life was created in you. The new man was electrified unto life. The old man was electrocuted unto death. The innermost part of your being was changed from corruption and disobedience into eternal life and holiness. Now the logic of this is reasonable. If you were crucified, then it is Christ now living in you. Reckon yourself. The logic of this is Christ died and you died too to sin. But he is alive and so are we. With a new nature, a new spirit is who we have in us. Hallelujah. New creation in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Titus 3 and 4. Maybe the last scripture. I said a couple weeks ago it is hard work for the evangelist to set up meetings, to travel, to do all of the things that he does. It's a lot of work to get people born again. And he does a good job at it. But the teacher does not often do a very good job of teaching the people of who they or what they have received at the new birth. This is wonderful. Of all of these New Testament realities... Let's read Titus 3, 4, and 5. Hallelujah. I've got some good news for you. It says in Titus 3, verse 4, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, 
but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. This is the entrance into eternal life. Let's look again. It's not by works of righteousness. It's not by anything that we could have possibly done in our own effort. But according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I want you to notice that word regeneration. If you were to take the beginning, the prefix, and the suffix off of that, you would see that you have the word gene. That we have been regenerated at the time of the new birth. You received a new spiritual gene package. Isn't that wonderful news? You were regenerated at the new birth. You received a new spiritual gene package where you once by nature unholy and rebellious, now by nature in a new spiritual gene code, you have been made holy and obedient. This is the work of God, you and you bear the thumbprint of God in your spirit. You truly are holy, and to act any other way is contrary to your true nature. I've done it myself, and I've known a lot of people that's drifted from the word and the place where they should have been into the old way, and they're just they're they're just miserable. They're miserable. For a moment, they've got some pleasure in what they're doing, but in the end result, they're miserable by doing and acting this way. We've talked many times that the Word of God has given us an exciting, exceeding great and precious promises to us who believe, having escaped the, the corruption that is in the world through lust. So let me tell you once again, you have a new nature in the new man, and the Word of God tells you exactly how to live this new life. Hallelujah. It says to put on and to put off. I've skipped around quite a bit on this, but I'm going to close. We may or may not pick it up later. You know, Jesus told Nicodemus, he talked about the new birth. And Nicodemus said, I don't get it. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. And Jesus rebuked him and said, aren't you a master of the law? Aren't you a teacher of the word of God and you do not get this? He talked to Nicodemus about the day that was coming that he would have a new spiritual birth. He said, well, I got to go back into my mother's womb and come back out again. He probably thought, no, you fool. You've read all of these things in the scriptures of times past, and you still don't get it. There's a newness and a freshness coming that he has. uh, We are new creations in Christ Jesus, that all things has beheld and been made new. To me, this gives me great encouragement that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. What Adam lost in the garden through disobedience Christ came to return that to us. Amen. But we can go back and visit the old man and the old sinful impulses 
and the old way of life and so on and so forth. But I would encourage people not to do that. You're not going to be comfortable doing it. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. I got so much to say about this, but you can't, we can't get it all in in one message. But I think Romans 6 is the absolute very key. It says to know this. The Apostle Paul was an evil man. He knew the Word of God. He did all of these things and so on and so forth. He had Stephen executed. He fed the church to the lions. He was, uh, you know, he went on a special mission to Damascus to throw all of the believers in the jailhouse or execute them. How many thinks that perhaps Paul had some extra baggage that he carried around? How many people think that he might have had guilt and shame and, and thoughts about what he had once did? But he learned something. He learned that everything he did was in his old nature. He said, I don't even know. They was going to some people's house and they was fearful about Paul. And he said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I have wronged nobody. He was so in step with the new birth that he didn't even recognize or acknowledge all of the things that he had did. Knowing this, that the old man is dead, that the new man, the new spirit that we have has been made, made alive unto righteousness, holiness, godliness in Christ Jesus. Why would we want to turn back any other way? So thank you, Lord, for the gathering today. I thank you, Father, for those that came today and May the Holy Spirit just illuminate all of these things in their heart and mind that they can reflect back. And even though that there are a lot of people who are considering themselves liberals by definition of the Word of God, that we can have our new opinions that are contrary to the opinions of the Word of God. May the Holy Spirit just arrest us and convict us of these things and to turn us back on the path of righteousness that we're supposed to be on. So I just ask that you bless the people exceedingly, abundantly more than they could ever ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.
Oh, thank you.